Okay, we are live. Episode 127. Got some people in the car. Sometimes I got to do it. You know, we got to make moves around here. Uh, Daniel Kurzok with Regrained. Samiksha Garg with Marketing Inbox. Uh, we nailed it. Daniel, welcome to the show. Let's get right into it. Regrained. When did it start? What's it all about? By the way, Berkeley, California, Bay Area. Whoop, whoop. Steph Curry, Warriors, let's go. Uh, give it to us. Let's go. Yeah. So Regrain started uh, out of uh, a college hobby for making beer back in 2010, 2011. The business has been full-time since about 2017. Um, and we're fully focused on uh, creating ingredients from overlooked supply chains, like the grain that's been already used to brew beer, working with other companies, putting it into, putting it into practice. Got it. So uh, give us, so for context, so people understand it, sort of give us that process. What does it look like? And, and then give us an idea, where can it be applied to? Yeah, for sure. So beer making is a, a practice that goes back pretty much to the dawn of civilization. And it's got really four simple ingredients. You've got water, you've got grain, you've got hops, you've got yeast. And the beer makers in the beginning of the process, they kind of make like a big batch of oatmeal. They take hot water, they mix it in with the grain. What they're doing is they're taking sugars from the grain in order to ferment them to get, you know, to get alcohol. And there's a whole industry around that, of course, one of the biggest in the world. But that in that beginning of that process, there's this grain that's had its sugars extracted. So all these like all the beneficial nutrients like protein and fiber are being concentrated, um, but it's not useful for, for beer making. So what we're able to do is go pick that up from the breweries after they've taken what they need to make beer. Now we've got this healthier and also great tasting ingredient for, for food making. We put it through a patented process to make, a, it, it produces something that kind of looks like a flour. So you can put it in breads and pastas and snacks and all kinds of stuff. Give us some ideas of where you went first. Some, give, you know, as far as revenue, right? Give us the channels. Where are you selling it? How do you sell it? Is it, is it in bulk? Um, and then, then try to give us the the concept of where you're going, I think, with some of your own products so that at least we have so, some sort of concept of what you're doing there. Yeah, for sure. So we, we knew that we had to build a market for this new ingredient. Uh, it wasn't something that was already being used in the food industry. An analog that you could think of is from cheesemaking. There's there's whey that's used as a that's created as a, as a byproduct, you know, and whey protein is now extremely valuable. You see it in all kinds of, of health food products. Uh, whey is so popular now that there's cheese, that there's whey producers where cheese is the byproduct, right? So with beer making, there's kind of the similar, the similar opportunity here, but no one, no one imagined before people knew what whey protein was, right? But for, uh, for brewer's grain. And so what we decided to do is launch some of our own products that would put this ingredient into finished goods that we could sell to the end customer. So we did a nutrition bar we've done, and we've done a, a snack puff as well. And then we've done some one-offs, you know, different baking mixes, and we've worked with other companies to launch things like pasta. Um, and so really trying to show that this can be done in a, in a finished good, but that's more of a marketing play for us. For us, the, the actual business model for revenue is selling an ingredient in bulk to other companies to produce finished goods. What does the layout look like right now as far as where the revenue comes from? Is it 50% your own products or the byproduct? It, it, so it's our own products for selling an ingredient to another company. And yeah, most of our revenue is coming from selling ingredients to, to other companies at this point. And that was a transition. You know, it started off being, you know, 95% our own products because we had no one knew what this stuff was yet. And we used our brand as a way to say, hey, large bar company, look, you can make bars with this product. Let's talk. You mean you don't want to be in CPG and have all this fun selling your own product and brand? I mean, what? I can't believe it. 
Yeah, rather work with rather work with pros like you uh, to help you create a best-selling line extension as opposed to uh, trying to do it all ourselves. We we thought we could do both really well, um, effectively, and like to use profits, haha, from CPG, right, to fund the ingredient business. Um, but it's 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 a you know these are two two separate beasts really, and one you know really served the other in terms of helping us build the market. But the you know our quickest path to to, to impact, I mean, quick isn't the right word, but our best path to, to impact on a large scale, you know, to reduce food waste and, you know, bring, bring nutrition, you know, full circle here is by working as a B2B player. I'll, I'll put it into a, a comment that was uh, said to me yesterday about CPG. Man, these last deals that I've been looking at, I can't believe how much money you guys burn in your space. Anyway, that's just a comment uh, from yesterday. Uh, and I've heard it many times. So um, give us the the sort of the, the location you're at at Berkeley. Um, is it in a warehouse? Uh, where do you bring it? Like, where are you actually bringing in all of this product from, right? Because there's, you know, you must have customers that bring it to you. You do this thing. So sort of give us the, the vision on that one. Yeah, for sure. So we are in, in North Berkeley um, on in a part of town where it's you know pretty industrial, we've got a warehouse here with our pilot production plant. So we worked with the USDA right up the road. We invented a process for doing this. We have a patent on that process. And it's actually designed so that we can put it on site at breweries and different beverage companies to co-locate and, and have distributed infrastructure that can produce this like there. But we needed to do it somewhere first uh, that, that we could control. So we've got our first plant here. It's not huge, it's like 5,000 square feet. Uh, but very, very compact, very efficient, and enables us to start building the market uh, on an industrial scale. And then what we can do is build additional machines and put them all around the world. Give us an idea of what it costs. Um, how much do you sell your product for? And is it in pounds as an assumption? Just for, so, so we have an idea. Um, and, and also I'll go further. You don't have to talk specifics, but is it is there a lot of margin in it? I mean, I would think that there is, but again, with, with being small, you know, fairly s smaller right now, you got the space, you got a couple machines, you have the people inside. So it, it, it starts racking up fairly quickly, especially you're in the Bay area. I don't care if you're in North Berkeley or North Oakland or wherever you're still paying for space. Um, I was going to have a really funny comment there and I stopped myself. My kids are in the car. Uh, just go, go ahead. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. So the, there, and there's definitely this intuitively, you would think something that's taking a waste stream and turning it into a value stream would uh, immediately be like the most cost effective thing to do. Um, the reality is that in our, first of all, there's all these R&D costs to, to scale these things up and the commodity crops. So there's like four crops that provide like 60% of the nutrition in our food system that are, and they're subsidized and they're, they're crazy cheap. So the conventional wheat, 30 cents a pound, 40 cents a pound, right? So we're not trying to replace, at least today, those, those commodity ingredients. What this is uh, sold as is it's actually, it's as nutritious as a, as, as a nut or, you know, a legume or, or a pulse and it's priced similarly. So we're talking, you know, a, few, a dollar or two or more pound um, that when is in use, you know, adds, you know, a few cents to the, uh, to the finished product, but then enables that product to, be positioned at a premium too, because it's got superior nutrition, great sustainability story and, and, and whatnot. So we're, you know, we're not selling a, like a baseline commodity ingredient here, but we're also not coming in with like crazy expensive, 
you know, inaccessible ingredient. It's kind of in the, you know, in the, in the middle there where it's like a, a, an, an affordable way to create a premium product. An assumption for growth and scaling, you had made a note about it is you perfect the process here um, and then you can duplicate the process in other areas of the country, of course, for not just sourcing purposes, but um, the ability to get it to customers in that region, right? You want to take away all the, yeah. the freight and, and the like. And yeah, and freight is something that gets really overlooked and just misunderstood by people. Like a huge percentage of our no, cost profile right now. No, it doesn't. Freight. No. Yeah, by someone, <laughs> by someone like you, Mark, right? But you know, it's um, that the, those efficiencies all you know, economies of scale isn't just about producing you know larger volumes of product. It's also about optimizing things like you know where you are relative to your customers and all the logistics costs of of, of making everything happen. Yeah, I mean, and, and everybody knows if they were dealing with with what we're doing, you know, in this space, but in any space, if you're moving anything on a truck and it's got to go outside of zones, I call them, you know, you have the zones, one, two, three, all the way to eight. So we're in California. If you go out, go out to New York, it's eight. So just imagine what it looks like uh, for, yeah. for I'm just I don't mind. It's just important. We, yeah. I, we had a pallet quote yesterday from Cali to, to New York, one pallet quote. $850 just for, for context, we used to, we never liked doing one pallet type stuff. Um, but, uh, I would say 18 months ago was 500 bucks. Um, yeah. and, and so it's important that if you're in business, any type that is putting something on a truck or moving it and in, and in place like you, it's economy of scale, you're actually looking faster. Now you're, you're more in tune to say, all right, maybe I do need a regional play you know, sooner than I expected before. Yeah, no, and especially when, so a pallet of our ingredients is 2,000 pounds. A pallet of puffs is what, 250 pounds, 300 pounds, right? So it's, uh, yeah, you get into the nitty gritty, you know, a bit there, but it's something that um, can be pretty eye-opening if you're new to the industry. Correct. And again, reference what he's putting is, it depends on what you're selling, right? It, uh, if for us, if you're selling a lot of air, air, A-I-R, yeah. right? Which is, again, product that's not, you know. Expanded, yeah. It's not expanded, yeah. So uh, um, let's go into it for, for closing. This is good stuff because this is one of the um, more interesting uh, concepts, products, um, brands that we've had on because most of it is consumer good type right, finished goods, right? Um, so give us like, what does this look like maybe in 12 months? Yeah, so we're, I mean, we're creating a whole new category for these consumer goods companies. And so we've got dozens of projects in development with some smaller kind of fast moving consumer brands, companies like Dope that have released a, a, a line of, of you know, edible cookie doughs. And we're one of the flavors in that all the way up to your national brands. We've got projects in development with them. Those are going to start coming to market and you're going to we're going to start seeing this kind of new new category of, uh, you know, of a, of a super grant that's created from uh, you know, from, from this material, there's huge waves happening right now in the upcycled food movement more generally, if that's something that you've been tracking at all, uh, regrained along with, uh, you know, a number of peers, uh, co-founded a upcycled food association an industry nonprofit. And that nonprofit is now administering a third party certification standard as well. So you're starting to see products on shelf that are certified as being, as being upcycled. Um, and so there's a growing consumer awareness. It's becoming an increasing, you know, uh, reason reason for purchase, and it's driving driving innovation, especially as people are coming out of out of COVID and you know having all their. Uh, I mean, there's still definitely ongoing supply chain issues, but things are starting to uh, 
move towards the direction where companies are, are thinking about new product development and, and what they want to create. And consumers are demanding stuff that's better for better for people, better for the planet while delivering on great taste. And, you know, this is a this is a way to do that. And so, you know, we're, we're going to see more and more of these products, you know, come to market and uh, do really well. Love it. Daniel's info regrained will be there at the end of the show. Good stuff, Daniel. Uh, learned something new on this one for sure. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Samiksha, marketing inbox. Give it to us. What's it all about? Uh, first of all, thank you so much, Mark, for having me on your show. Uh, marketing inbox basically helps e-commerce companies increase their revenue uh, without spending extra penny on the ads. So basically, we help on the retention side. We all know that uh, bringing traffic to the website is extremely important, but uh, people usually ignore the second part of the website, that is the retention part. So we help in retaining and increasing the revenue by providing them the email marketing services uh, to various companies. So yeah, so that much. Uh, so uh, I help them with the strategies and the copywriting portion. And I insist that the company should do the designing on their own part, because I believe that there is a, uh, there is certain elements that every that each and every brand have, and they should retain uh, it in the mails also, and and that and that's all. So we help them in the strategy and copyright. It's a digital game. That's what she's yeah. in. Check it out. I'll put the info there. I appreciate both of you. Uh, we had a little hiccup earlier, but we made it happen. You know, it's all about fortitude. You got to get through it. You got to make it happen. Uh, Daniel. <laughs> Samiksha, appreciate it. Have a great rest of the week. Got it, buddy. You take care. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. Bye-bye.